To his left, he saw the other regiments, men from New York, Pennsylvania, Michigan, men like these, he thought, just farmers and shopkeepers, and now we are all soldiers, and now we are about to die. The heavy round face was looking at him, the hard look of a man who had also understood, who had seen all the stupidity, who knew, after all, that the gold stars were often mindless decoration, that the army was led not by symbols, but by the fallible egos and blind fantasies of men. Jeff Shera, Gods and Generals. Hello and welcome back to the Wellhouse Exorcism. This is your most amazing, fantastic, springy, happy, and humble hostess, Shanna. PJ. <laughs> it's worse every time with you. <laughs> I had one and I forgot it. <laughs> I had a good one to top you and then it's gone. Mine just comes off the cuff every week. Springy. He, he is special, I will say. So, I'm Laura. And I am Ray. Wonderful. No one else had a good tagline like ghost is with the most? One of I was going to say. I will. You should steal that. You should totally just take that. That should be I yours. I can't. It should be yours. No. I give it to you. It is my gift. Can I be the ghostess with mostest? No. No. Oh. But. How about now? Ghoul can want to have fun. How about that? Oh. Mm. 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 <laughs> anyway, today we are finishing up our mini series on Gettysburg. It feels like we just started this yesterday, but actually it was like two months ago. <laughs> That's crazy. Long time about. coming. Long time coming. Yeah. Um, so tonight we are going to finish up by kind of spreading out to the ends of the battle. So the different farms and a very famous bridge, actually. That was used um, at the beginning and the end of the actual battle. So tonight we're going to have Ray discuss the Daniel Lady Farm. And PJ is discussing the Spangler Farm. Laura is going to discuss the Rose Farm. And then I'm going to finish up with a Saks-Covered Bridge. So, Ray, take it away with the Daniel Lady Farm. Okay. So tonight I'm going to discuss a little bit about the Daniel Lady Farm here and after, commonly referred to as the Lady Farm. Really? Yes. Actually, in the literature, that's what they say. They just kind of refer to it as Lady Farm. Hmm. And I think that can be interpreted in other ways. I guess you guys aren't allowed to go. Sorry, PJ and Ray. Bye. No Lady Farm for us, PJ. Yeah, apparently. Go find your man farm. But let me tell you, back in 18... I don't want to go there. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Ray. He has his research. Oh, we stopped him. So... (laughs) The Lady Farm was not all that back in 1863, all right, at the height of the Civil War. Let me give you a little bit of the background with uh, the Daniel Lady Farm. It was chartered, it was deeded by King George in the 18th century, but Mr. Lady didn't actually purchase the Lady Farm until 1840 from a public auction. His last name is so unfortunate. Mr. Lady. Oh. Mr. Lady. 
I mean, like it is his last name. I know. Guys. I just so unfortunate. Yes, yes. Um, he married a little over ten years later to a lady named lady? Rebecca. Oh, it would be wow. funny if her name were Lady. Can Do you, you think imagine he had Lady a Lady? Na- like terrible voice, and he tried to like. I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm, it. I'm, all right, I didn't. I thought I was going to stay away from this, but now I'm going to lean into it. You I wonder have if they. To. I wonder if he had a kid who was a doctor. Can you imagine, Doctor Lady? Doctor <laughs> Lady, come here, please. Oh, yes, yes, and he ended up having seven children. Lady children. No, they weren't all lady children. No, they Although, had to, they were lady children. <laughs> ladies children. Well, just like you'd be hating you. He definitely like had a daughter named children. Sarah children. Jane. Yeah, lady, and ladies children. Mm. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yes. It should be called Lady Lady, right? The Lady Lady. Like the, <laughs> where's the lady of the house for all here? There's the sorry. hating children. There's so much now. I didn't realize his last name was Lady till now. No, just, yep. I'm yep. sorry, Ray. Continue. What did you think Daniel Lady Farm... I don't the Daniel know. Ladies. I'm making soup for dinner. Where's the lady ladle? <laughs> lady ladle. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh no. Everything would be embroidered with lady. Did I mention Mr. Lady purchased his house from a public auction? <laughs> Sold to the lady did. in the back. Yes. <laughs> and he ended up marrying a woman named Rebecca. Mr. A and lady Mrs. Yes. Rebecca. Mr. and Mrs. Lady had seven children. That's actually not that many for that time period. Think like like thirteen or fourteen. They got lady a lot. <laughs> wow, that just happened. Anyways, Sorry. I went there. <laughs> the ladies lived on this farm property. Oh my gosh, guys! <laughs> <laughs> That's their last name. They are the ladies. <laughs> I don't know how much I can keep of this, but I'm going to keep it all. <laughs> the ladies lived on the farm property, which was about 146 acres. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's actually compared to the Shriver farm. The lady I mean, the house, but let me tell you, the lady house was not all that in July 1863, of course, of Gettysburg. Yes. And in um, typical American fashion, General Johnson of the Confederates, Mr. Edward Allegheny Johnson... Laura's when still laughing in the corner. I'm sorry, I was just thinking about a general the, lady. Came to the lady house. <laughs> what is happening And right in general American fashion was like, I want your property. And decided to confiscate it. He wanted the lady for the, property. <laughs> for the Get out of here, ladies. He, so, yeah. This is a man farm now. Yeah, so there was, uh, as a result, there was a lady exodus. (laughs) Well, of course. Because the ladies had to go. Yep. Yep. Now it's just a dead person's farm, I'm guessing. There's no room for the ladies. There's no no ladies' room. (laughs) Unless they really be nurses, Ray. (laughs) No ladies' room. Oof. Ooh, Ray. Oh, man. No ladies' room. This is a rough start. (laughs) It's the best start. It's the best. I'm loving this. And they used the location, um, General Ewell, Isaac Ewell, um, and General Johnson as the strategy space, so to speak, for Culp's Hill. Oh, cool. Okay. Yes. Yes. So obviously that means, and I did a little Google search, it was not far from the Lady House, Culp's Hill. So it made sense to Mm -hmm. do this strategy stuff there. No, is the house okay? 
no. I mean, it's still there. Oh, okay. And actually, if you take a look at the pictures, it is magnificent. It's it's a beautiful stone home. It has a barn. The first floor of the barn was actually used as a Confederate hospital, as was, you know, the vast majority Everything. of the house. Mm-hmm. But the reason why it was used as um, a hospital for the Confederate soldiers was had to do with the result of Culp's Hill, the Battle of Culp's Hill. Now, this happened in the afternoon, and this was one of the few times that um, the Union soldiers, actually, I think this was the only time that the Union soldiers were vastly outnumbered. It was like a ratio of 3.5 to 1 hmm. Ouch. by by the Confederate soldiers, right? Mm-hmm. So they vastly outnumbered them. But here's the thing, all right? Um, the Confederate soldiers, because it's Culp's Hill, so uh, spoiler alert, there's a hill. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, what? whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. yes. I'm not good at geography, but that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And the Confederates were fighting uphill. Oh. The Union soldiers were fighting downhill, so they had geographically the upper hand. The advantage, yeah. The advantage as a result. Always want the high ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the reasons why um, the Lady Farm was used as um, as a Confederate hospital. People died, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people died. Now, there are a couple of things to take into consideration as a Confederate hospital. You know what? So they didn't actually have thread, fun fact, for stitching. Interesting fact. I know what they used. Oh, okay. Mrs. Hayden? Can we call Mrs. Hayden? Yes, yes, go ahead. Did they use horse hair? Yes, they did. I knew it. Yes. Also known for any like music um, freaks out there, um, for like bows on mm-hmm. you know string instruments, horsehair is also used. And I remember part of that's called a frog. See, mm-hmm. I remember some of my words. <laughs> but you know what? They actually so they had to boil the horsehair. If you've ever, I don't actually, I'm not around horses a lot, but apparently it's very stiff. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And boiling it makes it a little more pliant. Anywho. Um, but it was like a secondary factor that they were also disinfecting the horse hair in the boiling process. So as a result, a lot of the Confederate soldiers actually were less prone to infection just as a result of this process. Does that make you feel more clean, Ray? It does. You're welcome. Actually. But then I think about what went on in the Lady Farmhouse. And it makes me feel a little less clean. To this day, folks, you can still bl- still see blood splatters on the floor. Yum. Mm-hmm. You'd you- think that the ladies would have cleaned that up when they got back. <laughs> you would. I. I don't know. That's a that's a better question for the ladies. <laughs> I didn't mean that sex like that's a sexist comment. Like male or female ladies could have. Cleaned you know that what? Up. Let me tell Mr. you though. Yes. They came back to a shocking situation. Once they were allowed back in, they actually found a dead Confederate soldier yeah. in their house. Upstairs, oh. upstairs. So, yeah, can you imagine was he forgotten? Back to that? I don't know if he was forgotten. This bed I mean, is too hard. This bed is too soft. This bed has a body in it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that in my childhood. I would rather story. come. <laughs> I would rather come home to three, or you know, have a three bear situation. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Because it came upstairs, or it happened upstairs. Actually, they consider that to be the most haunted area of the okay. house. That being said, there have been instances where they've seen 
Confederate soldiers on the grounds, just walking as if they're still patrolling. There are rumors of Confederate soldiers in the house with General Yule just Mm -hmm. kind of haunting the place, Mm. still a little perturbed. Because if you think about it, just by numbers alone, this should have been an easy battle to win. Mm -hmm. But I reckon they anticipated, the Union soldiers anticipated the attack and beat them to the top. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That happened at Little Round Top, too. The Union just yeah. got there first. Yep. Mm-hmm. There are other stories um, with regard to the grounds, the ghosts of a Civil War soldier, visitors. This is more for Culp's Hill. Hill have reported seeing the ghost of a Civil War soldier walking among the trees and then just vanishing into thin air. Sound of drums can be heard mm. as well. Yeah. The ghost of a nurse. Which would make sense, actually, if yeah. you think about yeah. it, considering mm-hmm. that it was, yeah. you know, a Confederate mm-hmm. hospital. Yeah. Strange lights and orbs. But I feel that's kind of standard at this point. Yeah, that's a whole To, like, the whole Gettysburg <laughs> All one big orb. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Funnily enough, they don't really... You really kind of had to dig deep to find ghost stories, I feel, related to um, the Lady House, the Lady Farm. Well, this brought us enjoyment in a very different way. (laughs) But now, to go back to your comment, you said they were boiling the horse hair. This was the beginning then of, like, um, being appropriate, like, with our medical care, right? We started boiling things It was, yeah, the advent of you know, methodologies and procedures mm-hmm. yeah. um, to sanitize. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, and I, th- I think you said it, but I just want to kind of reiterate for our listeners, um, when the horse hair being boiled, like they still have the copper pots like by the, the fireplaces there to mm-hmm. showcase that they kept the water boiling, boiling all the time. all the time, yes, yeah. yes. And so everything was boiled and because of that, the Confederates had way less people die from, you know, sepsis. From sepsis. And it's, it's kind of secondary, mm-hmm. but fun fact, you can actually still see like the burn like marks from huh. where they where they boil the water. It's actually quite the whole um like situation, like the whole arrangement, how they've um set up the lady farmhouse, mm-hmm. you know. So the dining room table um was used for operations. Actually I'm it was sure. more like um they would just take like the doors Yep. Off, yeah, and then just lay them down. They would put hay down. I actually don't know if they still do that. That would bother me though if I went into like um the exhibit and there was like hay on the floor. I would <laughs> feel compelled to like clean it up. But that was a we thing. We need a broom in here. No, but that was a thing in order for folks to not like slip. I'm talking about like yeah. the doctors. Yeah, they would put the hay down. They would do the operations oh, because this is a force. the blood, yeah. Yes, yeah. because it would get slick. Yeah. I mean, it's funny to think about that, but yeah. Blood Imagine you drop your sawbone and uh, gets covered in hay and blood and muck. Ooh. I don't know how. Oh, sorry, I was just is. imagining. Yeah, <laughs> oof. It's crazy to think amputations could take up to fifteen minutes back in the day. Yeah, as at most, usually the best could go faster. That is a great relief. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the ether only lasted so long, probably. <laughs> oh boy. That turned dark. But it's kind of cool, though, like, you know, thinking about, like, this, when the Union soldiers saw us after, they went, oh, that's why they're not getting sick like us, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's, if one good thing came out of the Lady Farm, apart from their terrible last name, it is that the advent of actual, like, you know, watching for bacteria in, in medical work. So Yeah. Yeah. That's really neat. And I think it's set up just like, what was the place that you uh, discussed where they have it, like, set up and it's not haunted at all? 
The Shriver House. Right. Yeah. So it makes me think about that because they have it set up just like that. They yeah. set up, they have like, don't they have like, like fake dead bodies like laid mm-hmm. out? Like, yes, up? yes, up on the porch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It's funny because back in the day, well, it's not funny. Why do you saying <laughs> yeah, that? Better about this is funny. <laughs> yes, we had our funny moments earlier yeah. in my segment. <laughs> we had this conversation last week, too. Yep. Yes. We need about better things adjectives. Being funny. Yes. Well, I mean, they would always, or they would tend to perform surgeries in front of windows, A, for the light, B, when you needed to toss an arm. Yep. yep. You know? Yeah. Give a hand. Oh, no, Ray. <laughs> no. Lend a hand. Lend a hand. He took break a leg to a whole new level. I did. Yeah. Oh, boy. Anyway. Even the bird never seemed so real. Oh, my oh, goodness. So, yeah, that's a little bit about the lady farm, guys. That's cool. It is interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. The name. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I, Daniel Lady. I just thought it was like a lady. Like who? She maybe she was married. To, like I don't know no, what I was thinking. That was, but yeah. What an unfortunate last name. I mean, it makes sense. Like it was the Shriver House and the Spangler Farm and so the Listen, Lady Farm. Like, but in I didn't hindsight, in hindsight, it no, makes no. sense. Daniel, Daniel Lady. He he was a lady man. Lady man. Yes. <laughs> Not yeah. a ladies man. Mm-hmm. A lady. Man. Well, lady. I don't know. I mean, seven children later. <laughs> He's the man of the lady house. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to break Shanna again. I just imagine, like, what are they called? Um, those, like, traveling salesmen. Knock, knock, knock. Hello, may I speak to the lady of the house? Yes. And, like, everyone's like, hello. Oh, my goodness. I meant the lady. Yes. Like, <laughs> how confusing would that be? We're all ladies We're here. We're all ladies there. <laughs> they were all ladies there. <laughs> lady farm we farm ladies here <laughs> nope although i mean even do we here, plow ladies? go check on matilda she done yet i mean like think <laughs> that must have been st- i mean like even in the 19th century that had to have been kind of funny oh i feel bad for the poor children have to like, go to school and like their last name is lady oh they must have been bullied yes. Well, what if they're at as the we're front laughing? Of, what if they're at the <laughs> what if they're at the front of the line or something like that? And it's like, okay, ladies first. I mean, <laughs> oh, Sergeant Lady's gonna be so pissed, guys. He's a real hard ass. <laughs> I, I mean, like, any, no matter what profession they go into, That's if they're true. in the army, no, it's a yeah. general lady. It's yeah, major it's, lady. It's lose lose all the way around. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant major lady. lady. Agent lady. <laughs> I just realized, that, like, if you're a doctor and you have a waiting room, you can say, there's a lady in waiting. Oh. Yeah. Now we're, now we're going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> this, we could go on this for a while. We could. Anyway, PJ, what are you discussing tonight? The Spangler Farm. There are a million Spangler Farms, by the way. So finding the right Spangler Farm. It was like having the Weikert Farm for me. There are lots My of Weikert Farms. gosh. Apparently, they're all, like, connected, though, because there's also Spangler Meadow and Spangler Sure, Spring. they're all related, literally. Yeah, Spangler Spring. Mm-hmm. They all have their own little thing going on. Uh, so, Spangler Farm, uh, if you go there right now, uh, the driveway that leads up to the farm is original. It's, like, the actual driveway mm. and everything that's there. Everything is, like, painstakingly reconstructed or the same. Like, wow. Uh, the key thing you'll notice is this bright red gigantic barn and it was two-story barn which is really cool uh, i'll get to that in a minute but first it's pretty common yeah 
No, but like the way they set it up I oh, mean, yeah. is really cool. So uh, for five weeks and two days, this place was used as a hospital. What? Wow. Good <clears throat> Lord. Yeah. So uh, it housed 1,900 soldiers. That's a lot. Uh, both Union, sides or one side? <clears throat> both. Only 50 Confederate soldiers. <laughs> and they were tossed in the wagon shed. Of course they were. Wow, okay. And uh, I have, actually, I'm, I'm going to skip two. So there's uh, one quote from a guy. And he said, uh, I was laid on the threshing floor of the barn used for a hospital near the big door. There I had a fine view of the bursting shells coming from this direction during Pickett's charge. Because literally, like, there, if you look from the barn, straight away from the barn, there's a tree line. Right behind it is a field, and that field is where the artillery was. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, so, then he said uh, there were sol- soldiers, like, stacked wall to wall in this yeah. barn. And he's like, then I was later moved down to the wagon shed where all the Confederates were. <laughs> but... So, anyways, why this place was picked, there's a really cool virtual tour on YouTube uh, from National Museum of Civil War Medicine mm-hmm. by Dr. Carol Reardon. And uh, she leads you through, like, the whole barn, you know, and everything. And uh, she said that uh, there were four big reasons why they wanted the farm. And <clears throat> this is actually before... Uh, the the battle really got going because by day two, the battle was like around the farm, and they're like they never would have picked this place for a hospital had they been there July second, but they got there July first, mm-hmm. and they saw all the bonuses that this farm came with. So one, they needed a spot away from the fighting. This is far in the south, like below Gettysburg, near Cemetery Hill. Well, behind oh, wow. yeah, behind right. Cemetery Hill. So they had that. They had cover. Cemetery Hill. They had the barn itself, which is 72 by 45 feet. Wow. (laughs) They were rolling in money, I guess. Yeah. They had fresh water. Um, Rock Creek was nearby. They had two wells on the property and two streams on the property. And they had road access, which is very necessary for getting their wagon trains, especially ambulances, to railroads to get people out of there. So those four things like were the big factors. They had Culp Hill to the northeast. They had um, Cemetery Hill just north of them as well. They had like they had hills all over. So uh, they were very close to like all the action they could get to wherever they needed to go very quickly or get to the hospital very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in charge. Uh, it was run by Dr. Thomas Thomas Armstrong, who was the chief surgeon. Uh, they just used the term operator. Yep, for that's most the term. Yeah, if you're in charge. <clears throat> yep. He had two main deputies who I couldn't find the names of, uh, but the first one, his job was to arrange the tents in the fields around the barn, also find a good location for the kitchen, and the latrine. Well, oh, yeah, away from yeah. the water. Yeah. A lot of people then, look like get healthy, then only drink nasty water, and then get sick and die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then deputy two... You're welcome. Sorry, Ray. (laughs) Drinking poop water. Deputy 2 had a much better job. Admin. Taking names. Keeping an eye on the status. Paperwork. If if they're alive, if they're dead, if they left, if they're still here. 
All that. Was I he, could do that job. Yeah. Was he better at making sure they were dead than the story from Laura last week? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, they had very good records, actually. Good. Very See? good records. That's how go. we know that there were, mm-hmm. a, you know, about, like, again, they weren't perfect records, but about 50 Confederate soldiers. Yeah. Out of 1,900. That's pretty. Yeah. Pretty good and records. put them in the shed. <laughs> 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 so, uh. There um, was one particular nurse who was uh, named in this video, uh, Marilla Hovey, and uh, she, well, pronounced Hovey, though, I but spelled Hovey, um, wrote, she uh, was, she's, like, remembered because if soldiers wanted to send letters home but they were wounded, she would write them. Like, they could dictate, and she would write them for them. Aw, Marilla. Yeah. Anne of Green Gables, Marillas are always good. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, now the neat part about the barn. Neat. Neat. Is it really neat? So, you, uh, like, typical barns in our area, there is, like, an embankment that leads up Mm -hmm. to the main doors, right? There's, like, a little hill leading up to it. And so, the doors open up, and you see this huge barn, really big wide floorboards and uh there are gaps in between them because you know it's you know it's a barn and, uh, <laughs> what yeah and this was the so triage was outside they decided what severity you were where you needed to go from there if you're going to a tent if you're going inside the barn things like that if you if it was pretty severe you went into the barn and from there you just waited on a bench or something inside that barn but because there are gaps in the floorboards, your blood was dripping down to the people who were where you were going next, mm. which is the people waiting to get surgery. Mm. So they were the more severe ones underneath. And so the basement pe- area was getting dripped on by uh-huh. the ground floor. Got yeah. It. Okay. So not sanitary. No. Yeah. Oh, not, no horsehair boiling in water. No. no. Cringing. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the lady farm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm officially cringing here. Mm-hmm. So. Um, now that's what's cool about it? Because I'm confused. Well, the, the neat thing is that, like, they had the setup of you here, and then we're going to move you down underneath, and then we're going to move you outside. Very organized. Yeah. So were there any male ladies because the lady would be in waiting then that's true i mean maybe there maybe there very maybe. well could have been a couple ladies in waiting <laughs> could have been a couple ladies in waiting you're right you're right you're so, welcome when they were brought outside uh all, all the operations were done outside one because there's the seven foot eaves that came out from under the barn so they had this sheltered area where they could work, A, away from the smell, mm. B, away from feces and all that garbage, uh, C, they were just, uh, they, they had a spot where they could just throw limbs. Well, like, then there's, like, natural light, too. Right? And natural light. light. That was the other mm-hmm. thing. Uh, so people would wait inside the barn on the bottom floor and then just come out either to a workbench or a bed or whatever the heck they had for, you know, operating mm. and get it done. Did you mention laying on a bench to get your leg cut off? No. So, yeah, I know. So the reason why they treated uh, Confederates there, too, because, you know, like, they're, quote, the enemy uh, for people in Gettysburg. Jonathan Letterman's memoir states that, quote, a wounded and prostrate foe is no longer an enemy. And so that's why they kind of kept her. Took care of Confederates along with Union. 
It's um, the humane thing to do, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. You know. Yeah. Another your enemy. But, but I mean, some people, like, I don't know, you know, like, in the well, world. We, we put them in the shed. In the <laughs> world wars, we just put them down, you know. If there's someone that was still wounded on the battlefield, a lot of times you just put them down. You know, yeah. you just, you ended their suffering right there instead of Oof. helping them. That's true. So, so yeah, this was definitely, like, you know. I guess it helps that it's like Americans with Americans, so it you do morals. you do show more yeah. sympathy for them than someone that's foreign and doesn't speak your yeah. language and things like that. Uh, moving on though to something neater, ambulances. Oh, is, it neat? is it neat? Ambulances. So they start off as like two wheel carts drawn behind horses. Were they a quicker mm-hmm. picker upper? Uh, reference I mean, to our they, they, Adrian Dice. <laughs> they do get quicker as they oh, advance okay. throughout the war. Because early in the war, they're just two-wheel carts attached to horses. And it was, you know, the carts you see in movies and everything mm-hmm. where uh, they, you know, there's no shock system or anything. Oh, no shocks. That's... Every bump, you're bouncing. Mm, yes. But by the time of Gettysburg, uh, the 11th Corps who ran the hospital... They had a wagon train, an ambulance train of a hundred ambulances. Jeez. Well, four, yeah. Yeah, they were four-wheel carriages with shocks and also a hanging system where you could put multiple stretchers in at one time at, like, various oh, layers. Wow. Yeah. Apart from the drippage to the next person. I know, right? But... Were they clean those in between? Nope. No, oh. but... But you gotta give them props for space I know, efficiency. I know. Yeah. And, f- and for just getting somewhere... Quickly, you know, like oh, I give them props, yeah. but lots of people quickly. You get them moving. Maybe not comfortably, but no, yeah. you know, one thing I'll, I'll add too about when you were talking about like the equal treatment for Confederate and um, Union soldiers. Mm. So Dorothea Dix was sort of in charge for the most part of nurses, the Union nurses, and yep. she was they they I guess called her Dragon Dix because <laughs> oh she my. was well no because she was like a lady stickler. farm we got oh my Dragon Dix so what is going on I right know. now this is like the <laughs> different best kind of dragon <laughs> if we're we going to close ending, it out man yes, we are closing yes. out like this oh boy not even on purpose oh boy but yeah she was a very very strict enforcer for equal treatment for Confederate or Union yeah. soldiers and if you were shown to like have partiality toward one, she would get rid of you. Except at the very end when, like, there were no yeah, more nurses to be had. Them, yeah. Then it was like, anybody who's willing to mop up blood, you're a nurse. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, and then she later became a champion for mentally ill and yep. went on to advocate for... Well, we've, wow. we've discussed her a couple times. We passing. have, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just thought that she was part of um, why uh, mm-hmm. the, there was equal treatment. So. Wonderful. Yeah. See, humanity. Yep. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So speaking of treatment, um, a quote from William Southerton about the amputations. And this is nothing we haven't heard before. Are you ready, Ray? I'm going to brace myself. So he said, quote, at the doorway, I saw a huge stack of amputated arms and legs. A stack as high as my head. Mm, yum. Yeah. A people-sized stack. Yeah. <laughs> Made of people. Made of people. Made many, many people. Oof. Wow. Um, did any ladies the lose worst. a limb? This is the worst. Because there are lady parts in that. <laughs> There's lady limbs? <laughs> There's lady parts. <laughs> I'm having too much fun. Oh, boy. This is the worst one, though. I'm ready. Um, Private Henry Blakeman from 17th Connecticut says, quote, I wore the same shirt that I was wounded in, all bloody for nine days, and half of that time it was full of maggots. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. The other half of the time, the maggots ate the shirt, mm. and they were then they they turned into flies and flew away. Yeah, they, that's probably what would have happened. Yeah, they would have lived off of it and then. Yeah. Gone. Although, wouldn't that maybe be a good thing? Because reading all the dead They'd stuff. They'd be cleaning it out. So like, but, yeah, but, oh. Oh. but they're also like in there and, and wiggling. Like, yeah. And, yeah. Okay. I actually got to the point now where I'm Ray. I, <laughs> I don't like bugs. Yeah. I, do, I hate well, bugs. And, and maggots in particular make they're me the very worst. uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I just. No, so earlier today, um, Eli had to do a diorama. And he's like, well, here are the animals I need for a daddy to print out at school. And so he makes me look up snakes. And we all know that I don't love snakes. He's like, how about a king cobra? They don't live in the this, this rainforest, honey bun. How about anacondas? I'm like, okay, listen. Like, oh, because those movies, I don't care how cringy, how junky they are. Like, I don't like snakes. And my biggest fear is walking over a lawn with actually a freaking snake. So look at these pictures. I'm like, oh, God, they're moving. And we go two weeks in a row mentioning anacondas, by the way. In Liminal Unlimited, we talk about it. Oh, oh, right. PJ, I think you should put your arm around her very slowly and snake it around. I actually find it very comforting. Just keep squeezing tight. And then I had to cut two different snakes out for him to glue into his diorama. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm trying to cut. I hate snakes. See, I kind of like pythons. They just give you hugs. See, whenever I like. Extreme hugs. <laughs> whenever I hear hugs. about constrictors and all those snakes, like, I don't know why. It, my mind goes back to this little comic strip. It's one panel um, from oh, something dad showed us, you know, way back. And it's a snake wrapped around a mouse. And the mouse is like all stiff and freaking out, and the snake just says, "You seem tense." <laughs> oh wow, that's a good one. <laughs> I was gonna tell a funny side story, but now I forget what it was because that just threw me off. You're welcome. Oh, armor pythons. So when I think of the word python, I think of when we took the kids to a reptile land. Because Alex was enamored by the big, like, uh, python they have there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the python that's there, right? The green one? Yeah, they have some pythons. They have anacondas, too. I'm pretty sure it's the python. Remember? Because okay. he's, like, pointing out the window, this glass window, and this python is getting closer and closer oh, to yeah. him. And he's And he thinks that he's, like, made a friend. I'm like, honey, if that glass wasn't there, you'd be dead right now. It is looking at you wanting to eat you right now. You know, <laughs> instead of a birthday kitten... He could get a birthday snake. 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 I mean, Eli? No, Alex is only three. Just saying. It's an no. option. No, it's not. It's an option. No, because the last time I listened to your family, Sophie got a bunny. <laughs> not a brainless hamster or whatever. That could was. be dead by now. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? I just bought another box of hay up there. Is that box of hay? Yeah. Donnie's living his best life. He's going to be a surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> On the upside, if you need any emergency surgery, you've already got the hay ready to roll. I do. <laughs> hey, worst case scenario, he doesn't lay eggs. We'll just eat him. Oh, see? no war chicken for us. No war bunny. Yep. We're yep. gonna have rabbits too. <laughs> so anyway. the Spanglers. Yeah, the Spanglers. There's George and Elizabeth, and then they had four kids. That's so it. So six of them okay. all together. You say that's it. But they, for that five weeks, two day stretch, they lived in one room. That's usually what happened. One bedroom. Mm -hmm. They were allowed to stay on the property, which usually they got kicked out. 
Uh, but they were allowed to stay on the property, but they had to stay in that room. Although, to be honest, like, depending on the age of your kids, too, you'd want to keep them close. Yeah. And honestly, a hospital, like, since they decided to go a little further away from the front lines, it's actually pretty safe where they were. Because usually the, the hospitals are, like, right there at the front lines, mm-hmm. and they're not safe to be at. Yeah. yeah. You know, the stories of the doctors who were getting shot and killed. Yeah. So I'd be like, you know what? It's going to smell. I'm going to hear people crying in pain. All right, I'll stay. <laughs> That's the thing is one of their neighbors, uh, same thing happened to their farm. They abandoned the farm. It smelled that bad mm, that sure. they just never went back. Oh, wow. Not yeah. ever. Wow. No, that, never. They abandoned wow. it. In a year, it would, you know, you'd have bones, but it wouldn't be horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Smelly. But they stayed. Uh, they they said, like, the smell, like, the chamber pot was awful. Oh, and, you know, like, they stank and everything was terrible. And it was just. Mm. They couldn't even empty their chamber pot? Well, I mean, I guess they could, but they couldn't, like, wash it anywhere, I guess, because all the wells were taken by the soldiers. You could dump it mm. out, but then what? Mm. I mean, even then, ugh, just you know? the whole thing. See, that bothers me because, like, this is the Union taking over a Union like, yeah. area. Yeah. Wouldn't you be nice and accommodating? Yeah. Huh. So, Poor Spanglers. But when you think, I mean, what do you say? Like 1,900 people were there, right? Like, that's a lot of, well, a lot of people. That's a lot, a lot of people. people. But we have other stories where people were, you know, actually like baking bread and <clears> taking <throat> care of people. And, you know, your story, General Lee, when he had his headquarters, you know, she was taking care of him too. She was in the basement, sure. But, like, at least she was able to move around. It's true. And then all the soldiers were stealing her stuff. Yeah. And so it could well be that the family was just trying to hide out from the and soldiers. And those were Confederates, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is Union on Union property. It's true. But that doesn't mean there's not still idiots. Yeah. Terrible people. <laughs> exactly. Inhumane people. Yeah. All right. Fine. Yeah. Unfortunately. Fine. I feel bad for the Spanglers Doesn't now. mean they're all heroes. Yeah. What else you got for a stud? So, um... The Spanglers, at the end of it, they uh, filed for uh, three damage claims totaling about five thousand dollars. They received ninety and six tons of hay. Well, you know, Jenny Wade got a full pension. Yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm still <laughs> yes, sore about that. that really the <laughs> farm. Loved, I still say I would love to have met her mom. Uh, yes, know, yes. Right? She took care of And I very well might, because I think he haunts the house, doesn't oh, she? It's true. According to that EVP. Mm-hmm. Look at that barn, though. That is a cool barn. So oh, yeah, the... there's the E. Yeah. yeah. Let me, there we go. You have to share that picture. Yeah. We always say we're going to share pictures, and we never share them on Facebook. I know. We got to like, do, do have, a photo drop. I, I have your ghost ones. We're, I'm going to post them today after we, rec- re- we record this. Thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So, yeah, huge barn, though. That is huge. Massive. I wouldn't abandon that yeah. place. <laughs> I'd hang out and wait for it. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of ghostly things, um, it's very common to hear uh, moaning, you know, people crying out for help and things like that. Uh, You know, what's like, uh, to quote this from the Pennsylvania Rambler, uh, one guy's there interviewing like a local and he says, there are the normal ghost sightings. And he's like, normal? I mean, even us, we're all at the point where we're like, oh, yeah, there's orbs, there's crying, sounds of battle, all the usual stuff. Yep, and so that's what he says. He says, well, as normal as you can expect with ghost stories, people claim to see both Union Confederate soldiers. People say they've heard the sound of gunfire. Gunfire isn't the only thing they hear. People have heard mysterious voices, especially one of a female. Hmm, okay. Uh, We say it's a voice of a lady. (laughs) Yes. Visiting, visiting perhaps <laughs> a, farm. a Daniel lady. <laughs> <laughs> but more recently, 
there has been talk of a woman in white. Mm. And she's seen like all around the Spangler area. Um, but the main thing is she haunts the Spangler Spring. Hmm. And the Spangler Spring is spring. And, and uh, Wow. Yeah. Probably trying to empty that chamber pot. <laughs> Just <laughs> but, need to clean this. Um, the night of July 2nd, I believe it was, um, Union and Confederate soldiers met at the spring to, like, share drinks and, like, just drink, you know, have some water. And, like, had a little truce moment there. And then went back to their sides and started the fighting again the next day. Yeah, so he says exactly who she was when she was alive is not known, even if she existed at all. Word of mouth states she committed suicide here after her fiancé broke off the engagement. I have not been able to find any definite proof that somebody actually committed suicide here. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying I have not been able to verify the events. But all these stories seem to happen at dusk or at night. Let me tell you about one I recently heard, this guy Randy says. The, the story Randy had been told was, a couple doing the battlefield tour on bicycle had arrived at the spring to see a young lady dressed in a white gown standing near it. They stopped to take a picture of the spring and turned their attention away from the woman for a monument. Or for a moment, sorry, not a monument. Uh, when they looked back, she was gone. I've tried to debunk it, but really there's no place for a person to hide in the immediate area of the spring. For a living person to get to a good hiding place, well, nobody can run that fast if they're distracted for a moment. And uh, the author says, I had to agree. There were no good hiding places near the spring itself. The nearest place was roughly 50 yards away. And if it was an actual person, then she would have had to sprint past the couple to get to it. This is Skinwalker Ranch <clears throat> stuff. Yeah, right, there. right. Yeah. I knew it. We have our own Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, here's a picture of the spring. That's beautiful. Oh, wow. yeah, this little arch yeah, area there. Very nice. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's like the the biggest, you know, ghost sighting that's been happening there is this woman, this lady in white. Mm -hmm. And that's a common motif in mm -hmm. ghosts in general, you know, just the lady in white. That first episode of Supernatural even runs mm -hmm. with it, you know. The lady in the water. No, that's Arthur. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, that's the Spangler farm. Well, thank you. That was wonderful and informative. And now it is time... For Kyle's creepy thought. I thought it would be a good idea if we turned Shannon the the girl. I thought it would be a good idea if we. I thought I thought it would be a good idea. I thought I thought it would be a good idea. Good idea if we turned the the girl from Ringu. This is bad. This is really bad. It's like a bouquet of fine wine. It just gets better every time. Every time. So, I decided to try and take Ray up on his little challenge from the last episode um, where he questioned if there were places that seemed to draw battle or conflict or wars um, over and over and over again. And to be honest, I really couldn't, I, I thought about it because I'm like, oh, I don't know. But I really couldn't find places in history where that was clearly documented you know we know that uh buildings or locations seem to draw maybe negativity uh maybe dark 
presences, things like that, but I couldn't find anything about wars or battles or conflicts. But what it did bring to mind, like right away, was maybe places or, well, I should say, maybe battle or conflict or war draw people. And it brought to mind General George S. Patton. General Patton, he believed that he had been reincarnated many times throughout history to fight and die again and again and again. He claimed to have visions and dreams that would show him moments from these previous lives, always in the midst of battle or in its immediate aftermath. Uh, for example, he remembered being a Greek hoplite fighting the Persians in the siege of Tyre under Alexander the Great. He said he remembered wielding a Roman gladius against the Parthians in the first century BC. He was gravely wounded and then died when he took three arrows to the neck. He said he fought twice in the Hundred Years' War, first for the French than for the English. Patton said he could recall the feel of the rope around his neck as he hanged as a privateer. And as a youth, Patton was kicked by a horse. The horse broke his leg in three places, and a young Patton almost died from the injury. While he was laying there, after being kicked with his leg broken, he said he had a vision that he was a Viking raider lying wounded and dying on a battlefield. In his vision, a spectral figure appeared to him. It was a Valkyrie. She was offering to take him to Valhalla. Patton wrote a poem that amazingly sums up. I decided to take a page from the Wellhouse Exorcism, and and uh, you guys love to um, recite quotes and from sources in history. Well, Patton wrote a poem. The poem is called Through a Glass Darkly. I'll read it now. Through the travail of ages, midst the pomp and toil of war, I have fought and strove and perished countless times upon this star. In the form of many people, in all panoplies of time, have I seen the luring vision of the victory made sublime. I have battled for fresh mammoth, I have warred for pastures new. I have listened to the whispers when the racetrek instinct grew. I have known the call to battle in each changeless, changing shape, from the high-souled voice of conscience to the beastly lust for rape. I have sinned and I have suffered, played the hero and the knave, fought for belly, shame, or country, and for each have found a grave." cannot name my battles, for the visions are not clear, yet I see the twisted faces and I feel the rending spear. Perhaps I stabbed our Savior in his sacred helpless side, yet I've called his name in blessing when in aftertimes I died. In the dimness of the shadows where we hairy heathens ward, I can taste in thought the lifeblood we used teeth before the sword." While in later, clearer vision I can sense the coppery sweat, feel the pikes grow wet and slippery when our phalanx Cyrus met. 
Hear the rattle of the harness where the Persian darts bounced clear. See their chariots wheel in panic from the hoplite's leveled spear. See the goal grow monthly longer, reaching for the walls of Tyre. Hear the crash of tons of granite. Smell the quenchless eastern fire. Still more clearly as a Roman can I see the legion close, as our third rank moved in forward, and the short sword found our foes. Once again I feel the anguish of that blistering treeless plain where the Parthian showered death bolts, and our discipline was in vain. I remember all the suffering of those arrows in my neck, yet I stabbed a grinning savage as I died upon my back. Once again I smell the heat sparks when my Flemish plate gave way, and the lance ripped through my entrails as on Cressy's field I lay. In the windless, blinding stillness of the glittering tropic sea, I can see the bubbles rising where we set the captives free. Midst the spume of half a tempest I have heard the bulwarks go when the crashing point-blank round shot sent destruction to our foe. I have fought with gun and cutlass on the red and slippery deck, with all hell aflame within me and a rope around my neck. And still later as a general have I galloped with Marat, when we laughed at death and numbers, trusting in the Emperor's star. Till at last our star faded, and we shouted to our doom, where the sunken road of Ohine closed us in its quivering gloom. So but now with tanks a-clatter have I waddled on the foe, belching death at twenty paces by the star-shell's ghastly glow. So as through a glass, and darkly the age-long strife I see, where I fought in many guises, many names, but always me. And I see not in my blindness what the objects were I wrought, but as God rules o'er our bickerings, it was through his will I fought. So forever in the future shall I battle as of yore, dying to be born a fighter, but to die again once more. Before the 1943 invasion of Sicily, British General Harold Alexander told Patton, You know, George, you would have made a great marshal for Napoleon if you had lived in the 19th century. Patton looked at him and replied, But I did. So I think, maybe, just maybe, Throughout the ages, maybe people have been drawn to conflict as opposed to people being drawn to places for conflict. Maybe people are drawn to conflict, to fight, maybe to escalate the conflicts. Maybe it's something in their spirit that for whatever reason yearns for conflict and battle and maybe they don't even quite understand why and that's my creepy thought my first reaction French is anymore. that's a that's a wonderful poem for a guy with a mental disability <laughs> did, he really have, did he have one no oh <laughs> the, the fact that he so strongly believed in this like what an overactive imagination this man has <laughs> i would say he has a he's had a lot deer. he's had a lot to draw from that's true. Like a lifetime. Several lifetimes. <laughs> maybe he was a lady, too. Oh, maybe he was. Well, I don't know. I didn't derive oh that my from gosh, the reading from the poem. If any ladies fought in 
the battle that there were lady killers on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) So, but wouldn't they be? Wouldn't it be funny if they all survived though? Because then they would be lucky ladies. (laughs) Oh boy! No lady. Oh, okay. A lucky lady. Well, I mean, well, if there are several ladies on the battlefield. That's true. <laughs> a legion of ladies. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a the, la- the lady legion. Oh, I like it. Yeah, isn't it Not nice? American lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anywho, how do you feel about Kyle's creepy thought? I, I, I think it's pretty neat. Like, because we always talk about how, like, memories might be stored in genetics, genetics and things like that. Because uh, I don't know if you two have heard the theory, like, you know, if a butterfly only lives, like, so many days or, like, a week or whatever, but the trip down to Mexico is over, you know, like, months, right. then that means it's several generations of butterflies to get down mm. there. So how do they know where to go? You know? And right. so, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, and they always go to the same place every year. And a lot of people believe that, like, memory is passed down genetically. Um, well, it, even in Frozen too, it, and it's actually been proven by science, water does retain memory as well. Yeah. Like water has memory. Mm-hmm. So when Olaf is talking about that, uh, he's not lying. That's true. Well, I mean, when you think about it, atoms, like they say, like, you know, at science as we understand it now, like there's a set amount of atoms here on the earth and that doesn't really change, change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. right the, yeah the, matter cannot be destroyed only transformed exactly and so if that's the case then we're all made out of other the same people stuff. and yeah. other things and you know for millions millennia well that's always a joke too yeah. is like so whose water are you drinking like where'd it come from well because <laughs> at some point it's someone's pee or something that you're drinking yep mm-hmm. but, um actually the assassin's creed games it, that's actually based off of science that, yeah they took that genetic memory idea mm-hmm. and turned it into a game and it's been it's been proven too that you know um you may not have any ptsd maybe mm-hmm. you you've had a pretty normal life right but then one day inexplicably inexplicably you are terrified of going into an elevator. Something triggered and turned yeah. on a genetic memory that's been there since your great grandpa or whatever, when they were maybe like, you know, locked in a closet and they had that moment of trauma. And so now it is turned on for you. So you can actually trigger these memories that aren't yours. Yeah. But they're I, genetically yours. I learned about that from actually the HBO Watchmen series because they talk about genetic trauma. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I researched it and like, children of vets who fought in the vietnam war they were significantly more prone to suicide wow well and like, it's, it's true for um children of holocaust survivors yeah mm-hmm. you know have have very like and, and part of it may be environment too you know like they're, yeah, they're, because the, be their parents might yeah. be raising them who knows what it's whatever, like to be yeah. raised by parents who experience something mm-hmm. like you know or something or that's, something unexplainable then it becomes like that. almost yeah. part of that tragedy almost becomes part of your culture yeah yeah for sure right well i mean and there is um you know it, it almost sounds like a stereotype but they have studied for example with black people that they tend to be more afraid of dogs than mm. say mm-hmm. white people mm. and when but when you think about the history yeah. that you know, the black people for centuries have been hunted by these dogs, including even more recently with well, the civil, civil rights War, movement. Civil rights movement, yeah. Um, and so there is, 
there's a lot of studies actually being done about exactly this genetic memory. Wow. Yeah. Aww. Yep. Well, if anyone comes to my house, my dog Rosie's adorable. She barks. She'll just hide from you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and getting back to what Kyle was saying about Patton is, um, like, his grandfather was a Confederate general. So. Mm -hmm. Mm. Your reference Patton. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. And. So um, maybe he wasn't reincarnated, but it is in his genetic memory. Could be. That, yeah, that's what I'm because I'm not sure I buy into the reincarnation belief, but I but I do oddly believe in genetic memory. I don't I don't believe in collective consciousness either. I don't know how you all feel about that, but that's not something I'm define it for me where you can tap like everyone's minds are connected to this like large hive mind in the sky like you know the cloud avatar okay no no well no like it's just like this collective you know like it's how it's how psychics are supposed like to people who don't believe in like a higher power it's how they believe psychics work is that every everyone's kind of everyone's connected and (laughs) some people can tap into that connection and Mm. You know, so that information is shared with everyone, but only certain people can tap into it. I can, I'll sooner buy that. Well, you know, I would buy sooner that people are, some people are more emotionally intelligent than others, Mm -hmm. and then they can tap into that. Maybe that's mistaken as, you know, that sort of connection. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't believe in collective consciousness. So anyways, uh, plus I don't like the idea that people can get into my mind. <laughs> yeah, right. Get your uh, chin hat out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh anyways, what I was getting at was just that yeah, like I I believe that General Patton was feel, like experiencing something. I don't think it was past lives per se. I think it was genetic memory from either ancestors or or if you're a collective consciousness person he was tapping into these memories from you know the ether out there and he was like just experiencing them from others who have lived it but i've never felt like i've been you know like here in a manner of speaking before you know like or i've experienced have i felt like that yeah. yeah I mean, there are times, and I think that's different from, say, like, deja vu. Yeah. Which, you know, frankly, I don't think I've experienced either. Well, did I ever tell you my story about reincarnation? Like, so, not that I don't believe in it. Like, I, my grandmother always said, like, how how are we to know what happens when we die? Mm-hmm. You know, because we haven't experienced that. Like, we're, currently, we're alive. And so she, not that she never did, like, she never promoted it, but she would say, maybe you do come back because you didn't get it right. And so that's kind of where she kind of landed in that whole situation. Um, But I was in college and I was taking, like, French two or three, I forget, with this really cool professor. And he was um, fantastic. But I was just sitting there one day and we're practicing our language. And the examiner goes, you know, Shana. Because he called me Shana all the time. He couldn't pronounce her name correctly. You remind me of this um, this beautiful painting I once saw. And so he told me that I, I reminded him of, of a girl in a bar at the Folie Berger. And I had never, ever seen this painting in my life. Because um, in Edouard Manet, like, I, I knew the painter, but I didn't, like, look at his stuff, you know. And so I look up this painting, and it 
creeps me the heck out because I have so many dreams or I had had dreams of the exact same situation where I'm behind a bar and wearing this like a beautiful dark blue velvet coat, very Victorian-esque. But what's pissing me off is there's this bunch of flowers right here, like in my chest area, because it was like part of like the, to look, you know, pretty or whatever. But they were itchy and I kept smacking them. And I'm trying to like serve drinks to people. And I'm just filled with this like deep sense of ennui by the end of the night because I'm just so exhausted and cranky and the flowers are obnoxious and there's a bowl of oranges inexplicably for some stupid reason. But this is this dream that I kept having over and over again. And so when I looked it up online, I went, holy crap, it's me. Doppelganger. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, again, like PJ's found the picture, but like, I remember this like to a T and that's when I used to have bangs to the very thick Mm -hmm. bangs in the front. Because my hair was parted that way when I when I was in the classroom that day, and uh, so it was just when I saw that I said to him like, "I've had dreams about this, and I'm actually kind of freaking out because I don't really believe in reincarnation." He's just like, "You've never seen this painting before in your life." I'm like, "I've never seen this painting before." Like, no, never. Like, we would never have seen a picture of a bar in our very mm-hmm. conservative school district. You know, I, even Madame Fiedler would not have shown us that because yeah. the school would yell at her. So, I. I don't know. Like, I, I'm kind of like, I'm the I don't know camp because that freaked me out. Yet another picture to share on your Facebook page. Oh, they can just Google bar at <laughs> yes. the Folie Berger. No yes, but you'll have to spell Or that if you're one. like me, just type in Manet. Manet. M-A-N-E-T. And then bar. Girl at the bar. Yes. <laughs> There's a couple of girls at bars. Not so. No, not if you just type that in. Okay. If you type in Manet, girl at the bar. Very f- beautiful painter, Boom. though. You get yeah, it. He was, yeah. he was great. A lot of his work is just phenomenal. Anywho, thank you, Kyle, for that thought. Yeah. We're not sure we fall on it. I think we're kind of like we're in the camp uh, of yes and no. It's kind I, of like- I believe that he believes, like, you know, that Patton believes, mm-hmm. but I don't believe reincarnation. I believe it's something else. Mm. That's how I, I like it. feel about it. It's wishy-washy. <laughs> no, I just believe that that... Th- the idea of genetic um, mm. memory, memory wasn't yeah. a thing then. Yeah. So yeah. they just call it reincarnation because that's all they knew it could have been, you know? So maybe but then you... why would he be able to say, like, oh, I fought in this war. I fought, I, you know, in the Hundred Year War, I fought on the French side and I fought on the English yeah. side. Like, what Maybe would I have a genetic memory that? where I remember what my great-great-grandma did or whatever. Or it's super ridiculous bar. narcissism. It could be <laughs> that too. Or maybe he's just crazy. He's maybe. just crazy with delusions of grandeur, like Shana said. Or maybe it's like in that movie, Defending Your Life, and some people choose to come back and some people don't. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. It's an interesting movie. Maybe he just had some more fight in him. (laughs) (laughs) He had a lot of fight in him. You should watch that one. It's an Mm. interesting film. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kyle. Yes. Interesting thought, as always. Beautifully done. Now, Lala, we go on to you, and you are discussing the Rose Farm. So, I'm guessing Rose is their last name. (laughs) Yes. A rose by any other name. Man, I'm just having... This is a night. This is a night. (laughs) Take it away, Laura. Can you imagine, though, like, if you'd married... If you were a rose, you'd be like, Shanna Rose, and then you married a lady? Mary Rose Rose. Like, Shanna Rose Lady. If you got married. Mm. Hmm? What if your name was, like... It was, like, Mary Rose. Mary Rose Rose. Oh, yeah. Mary Rose Rose. Mary Rose Ann Rose. Oh, my gosh. Or Ambrose Rose. Mm. So many options. Roseanne Rose. (laughs) So... 
The farm was actually owned by George and Dorothy Rose, and it's about two miles south of Gettysburg on the eastern side of Emmitsburg Road. So the farmhouse itself dates back to 1811, and it was completed in 1824. Um, So it wasn't that old then before. No, it really was pretty new. And there was a barn built in 1812. Um, So George Rose was a butcher from Germantown, PA, and he bought the farm in 1858. So just five years or so before the... Oops. Jeez. But man, did he spend a fortune on this thing? $8,000. Ooh. Was that like a prime real estate situation? <laughs> oh, it was, um, I think, a really big farm. Oh, where is the... Uh, I, I, I'm sure that there's an acreage on here, but I, I, I think it was like 200 acres or something. So it was pretty big. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, George and his family didn't actually move in until after the war, not till 1868. Now, his brother and his wife... And their kids lived there. Oh. Yeah. So George's brother, John, lived there with his wife, Elizabeth, and seven children. And also living there, this is interesting to me, and I don't know if you all know the the terms, was an older woman working as a, quote, domestic, and a younger woman who was, quote, the help. So I don't know if that would be like an indentured servant would be a domestic. No, they, if you or... were a help, you were hired on. Hired help, so... but what's a domestic? Somebody, your nanny, probably. Yeah, like a governess. Oh, yeah. Okay, that makes also sense. Also help, too. So, but younger girls would be hired out, like if their family was poor, they'd be hired out to work on farms. That makes sense yeah. to me. Yes, PJ. In today's money, $8,000 is $293,502.44. 44 cents. money. Ow. That's actually not as bad as I thought it was going yeah. to be. Well, and he was a, a butcher, so apparently that was some good money in that. <laughs> yeah. There was actually good money yeah. in that. Yeah, there I still guess is. So. Yeah. So, I and couldn't do it. Also living there was a middle-aged farmhand and so a 14-year-old hired boy. So there was a pretty, like, full house. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. So there was intense fighting happening all around the home. Um, and... Uh, Interestingly, one of the Rose's sons, their oldest son, Charles Francis, had joined. Um, oh, no, actually, I'm sorry. There was another family also living on the property, Francis Ogden, with his wife and four sons. And so they lived in a separate farmhouse. But their oldest son, Charles Francis Ogden, joined the 138th Pennsylvania Volunteer Infantry. And but of course, like that infantry was not at Gettysburg. So he what? didn't get to see his family. Oh my, God. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I guess it was good. He was safer, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, so he was a few miles to the south and he was taking care of supplies from Harper's Ferry to Washington. Hmm. But it's just sort of like, of all the, you know, one of the local boys wasn't even there to like fight yeah, for his no. town, but whatever. So um, there was fighting all three days in that in that general area because Buford's cavalry actually fell back into that area oh, on the okay. first day. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it really was very central um, in location. But um, it was really the second day of battle that had some of the fiercest fighting because the farm includes Stony Hill and Rose's Woods, which we talked about last week. Yep. Um, and actually the property included... The wheat field. Oh, geez. So that was part of their property where over 6,000 men were killed or wounded just on the wheat field. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because that alone. I still just can't imagine. That that. alone is a 20-acre field where over 20,000 men were engaged in brutal and often hand-to-hand combat. I just want to say yesterday we drove by a very small dead animal. 
and Shanna, <laughs> Shanna had the hardest time dealing with Did the smell. Did not like the smell. And that's nothing compared to 6,000 people. I know. I said, like, I would not be okay in Gettysburg. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it was no. a stinky possum. That's all I gotta say. Oh. <laughs> Whatever it was, it wasn't a possum. It was I don't know. It was possum like sized, a, but it was brown. I don't know, like a groundhog. Like yeah. Mm. Either way, they, I think they kind of all smell the same. Yeah. This <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, it would turn my stomach too. I opened the windows. I'm like, we need to hold the windows down because he drove over it and then the smell <gasps> well, got no. stuck in the. I didn't hit it. No. I just but, had to go. You know, like straddle. So the smell gets stuck in your chassis, you know, and you kind of carry it for a little bit. Yeah. I was like, this one Because the air conditioner blew it in. Yeah, it was bad. In the car. I was gagging. Well, on that note, I mean, (laughs) ish. It's not too bad, actually. But like uh, the farm buildings here on the property were, as you might expect, hospitals. Mm. Um, And this was primarily Confederate Field Hospital. Oh. Um, Mm. Just must have happened to fall on that side, I guess. And it's... uh, Lady style. <laughs> yeah, well, and um, so, it, but it's estimated that between five hundred and a thousand Confederate soldiers were buried on the property. Oh wow! Okay, Ooh. yeah. So, and then exhumed later, right? It doesn't National Cemetery. say that, but probably yeah, they if to. they could find them, I would assume. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's that's, true. A, that's a big if, but if they found them, yes. Um, so the property is now um, owned by the National Park Service, and it's only open to the public on very special occasions. So it's pretty oh, limited that like you when, can go. For example, it doesn't it doesn't really say, but I'm sure like if you go to their website, you'll see probably, like whatever the hours are. Probably they, early yeah. July. Yeah, <laughs> well, who would have thought? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they have special tours and things like that. But mm-hmm. I think that they have so much property that they just don't probably can't manage. Well, it's so it all. hard to write, mm-hmm. maintain it all, and then yeah. like where do you get mm-hmm. the funding for it? Yeah, so, but this is Grants. this is a little, int- this is sad, um, but so very little information kind of follows the Rose families after the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, so one of the sad things is that there are these records from a Dr. John O'Neill who showed that he visited the Rose farm on four different days in March 1870 to treat one of the Rose's daughters, for which he prescribed the treatment of a straitjacket. So, Mm. I mean, but, you know, like, that's something, like, we think of Jenny Wade as being, like, the only, like, civilian casualty, like, death casualty, but, like, there were other casualties. Like, probably this girl saw some stuff that, like, addled her brain, you know? Like, and I don't think she, I mean, I hope she recovered, but, you know, based on this, like, if you, like, years later in 1870, you're still being put in a straitjacket. That's just, that's just awful. So... But the Rose Farm was mired in debt and mortgage agreements, especially after the Civil War. And this is interesting. So even though he paid $8,000 for it, he was trying to sell it in 1866, couldn't find a buyer. And this goes on and on. Like there's all these back and forths where he's trying to sell it, trying to sell it, and eventually sells it for $4,000. Oh, my gosh. And has to eat that the rest of that debt and keep paying yeah, on it yeah. but it, i know but it kind of makes you wonder too like were that was it just life circumstances were you know were there other things happening on the farm was it just that there were like a thousand dead people buried there and yeah. you didn't want to live That's there anymore gonna, yeah no. i don't know it's just it's it's very it's a shame so but in terms of ghosty things the ghost of confederate general armistead I we heard from earlier. <laughs> it was a Confederate general who was mortally wounded during the Battle of Gettysburg. He was taken to the Rose Farm to be treated for his injuries, but he died two days later. 
Visitors to the farm have reported seeing his ghostly apparition wandering the ground, still dressed in his Confederate uniform. Uh, let's see here. There have been the sound of horses like galloping on the property, although there's no horses mm -hmm. there. Um, so probably... That residual Residual, haunt. yep. Uh, several ghosts of soldiers, um, Confederate, and occasionally Union, but Confederate, as it was a Confederate hospital, that's the main yeah. one. Of course, lights and orbs, lots and lots of that. And the sounds of battle, uh, people will often hear that. They'll have sounds of gunfire, cannon fire, the screams of, of wounded soldiers, marching feet, clanking equipment, and the ghost of a young drummer boy. And they say that there have been reports of a drummer boy who is believed to have been killed in Rose's woods during the battle. So they'll Aww. hear the sound of a drum beating, and some have seen his ghostly apparition wandering through the trees. Mm. Poor kiddo. I know. That makes me sad now. I know. So that is that is Rose's property farm and a little bit of the woods makes sense though with the wheat field right there Ooh. yeah yeah it was i can't i didn't realize it was like part of their property yeah, so wow. yeah oof all right well in that case let's just let's work our way out of gettysburg you know what i'm saying let's just get let's get out of town <laughs> and the only way to do that is over Sachs covered bridge all right. Now, to get us into it, I actually am hopping on to AstonishingLegends.com and taking some of their stuff here because I want it to feel creepy. Nice. All right. In folklore, bridges often served as important points in stories where devils make deals, where trolls live, and especially where ghosts lurk. Is it because we come so close to being washed away should a wood plank give out or our cars fail on top? Is it because of the imp of the impure calls us to the edge and asks what would happen if we jumped? Water is also believed to be an important aspect of the paranormal and paranormal activity. Water is, as many know, a wonderful energy conductor. Now, although this proves useful in our daily lives, it is important to think about everything in context, particularly the paranormal. Many people believe that Paranormal entities and happenings are energy-driven. So many, many experiences, some not all, take place near bodies of water. There is also a belief, if you believe any of this at all, that this energy allows entities to travel more freely. So with that in mind, let's talk about Sachs Covered Bridge. This bridge is actually referred to as the Haunted Bridge of Gettysburg. I'm putting that in air quotes. It's 100 feet long, 15 feet wide, and she's gorgeous. We have a lot of cover bridges here in Pennsylvania, we do. We so do. this not looks no surprise to us. It is your quintessential red covered bridge. Now, um, this was actually used by both Confederate and Union troops throughout the uh, Battle of Gettysburg. Fun fact. Uh, but let's discuss the history first, shall we? It was built in 1852 by David S. Stoner, which, by the way, what a great last name. We've had a lot of fun with last names. We yes. have. I was just thinking in terms of, like, he worked with Stone to build this thing, but then I was like, oh, Stoner, haha, 420. Anyway, so, because that's coming up. So I was just like, oh, why not? But anyway, it's um 100, it's 100 feet long, and it actually serves to connect the land that separates Gettysburg over Marsh's Creek. Do you think they ever married with the Lady family? They have lady stoners. <laughs> if not, what a missed opportunity. I'm just saying, what a missed opportunity. <laughs> so the imp of the impure and jumping off bridges and stuff, they call that looking into the void now. Oh, really? Yeah. 
The Why? thought of like, I wonder, if, you know, like you're driving, like, I wonder if I just drove off the edge right now. Things like, you know, like how people like, like this mm-hmm. thought just invades your, like what happens your senses like it? that. Yeah. You know, just out of the blue, you just get weird thoughts like that. Like, what if I jumped off, you know, like this cliff right now? You know, like it's called looking into the void. Ooh. Well, yeah. that's when you should call your doctor on a serious note. Like, that's not okay. In my opinion. Well, there have been stories about that, too. Like, there are certain cliff areas and things like that where people feel like this pole. Like, they just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. feel The like, Bridgewater Triangle. Right. Like, they don't normally like feel, that. like, yeah. suicidal or anything. No. But then they go to this no. particular location or, like yeah. you're saying, like, a thought and pops look, in their head. Yeah, looking into the void is not – it's not having a suicidal thought. It's just this invasive thought that just pops <sighs> in and then, you know, like – you know, you know, you you know, you're not gonna do it, but I was like, oh, what a, you know, like that thought just hits your your yeah. mind. You yeah, know? no, I I have. Mm-hmm. Every, everyone I, yeah, has had that. That has happened. That like, happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when you're driving around like a a, a ro- windy road so. uphill, and there's no uh, what's guardrail. Guardrail. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. You can't help but think like, oh, what if I went over that yeah, edge? That'd exactly. Terrible. <laughs> yep. Listen, um, we're all friends here. I love you all. <laughs> Let's not think that way. All right. Anyway, <laughs> back to my bridge. <laughs> Jeez. It does look like something out of like a Thomas Kincaid uh, painting, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it actually was designated Pennsylvania's most historic bridge in 1938. Another fun fact. And it is fun. That I is fun. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I like that. Um, fun fact. I keep moving on here, too. It was close to automobiles by 1968. And then 30 years later, flooding happened. So here's my actual fun fact from that. They got lots of money to fix it, and now they have restored it with steel support beams. So So it's car-worthy. It is car-worthy, but it is only open to foot traffic right now. Also makes sense. Yes, people have really pushed to get the vehicle use again because it's big enough to do it. But um, the preservation of it and the people in charge of it were like, Yeah, you don't want some idiot to hit the wall or something as they're going over. Mm. So while it did go through some issues, fun fact is it's beautiful and it really is safe now. The safer than ever was back then when they were using cars on it. So anyway, to the actual history then. So when it came to um, Gettysburg, on July 1st, um, the bridge was crossed by the 1st Corps of the Union Army, and they marched towards Gettysburg. And then four days later, Robert E. Lee's army would retreat back over that bridge. So it was used. Isn't that great? Both ways, interestingly mm. enough, yeah. Now, with that being said, it was a great place to hide if you wanted to run away from battle. Because as we know, people were going, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, realizing how terrible Gettysburg was and trying to run away. So the story goes with this bridge that there were three Confederate soldiers. And nobody knows if they were running away or if they were spies or if they were snipers, no one knows the full story. But regardless, there were three Confederate men, and they were on the bridge, and then people got mad at them, and they were hanged. Mm. Okay? So one story is, um, again, these three soldiers wanted to run away, so they donned Union attire and marched with the North (laughs) to get the heck out of Dodge, but when they were discovered to belong to the South, they were tried and hanged on the bridge. Wow. It's one story. Yes. Another one was that they were um, spies and or traitors were realized what they were and hanged. 
As you can tell, regardless, they were executed. So there's a running theme here. Yes, they were killed uh, do, on this Do we bridge. know who was in charge of the hanging? Was it the Union? Yes. Okay. Uh, according to one side. And then when it turned out they were... Sp- I mean, it really just goes back and forth. Okay. Mm. Yes. Uh, but generally speaking, it was the Union who were supposed to have done it because it became this, um, you know, warning, if you will, you know, don't mess with those Confederate troops kind of thing. But that is interesting because, yeah, I mean, it, then they almost would have, like, if the Union's doing it, they'd almost have to be, like, spies to warrant a hanging because if they were, like, prisoners or just yeah. retreating, you know. If they were dressed up to pretend that they were Union just right. to get the heck out of Dodge, I'd be like, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Thank. Yeah. But no. Um, so anyway, during daytime... Beautiful bridge, you know, you have beautiful streams of water, very elegant wooden construction. But at night, it is not so great. You'll hear the disembodied voices and cries of the people who are in pain. You'll also hear cannon fire and gunfire. You'll smell cigar smoke. Someone may reach over and touch your shoulder and tap you. You turn around and (gasps) no one's there. But the coolest thing is you there are lots of pictures and lots of reports of seeing three disembodied heads floating on the bridge because of the three hanged men. That's that cool. Fun. Yes. Mm. There also I have guess. been <laughs> there also have been pictures of the three apparitions of the Confederate soldiers there on the bridge. Hmm. You know, not just disembodied, but yeah. actually there in full. Like in sixth sense. In sixth sense, yeah. Uh, but yes, the biggest thing too is not just the tap on the shoulders, but they do hear like, you know, people talking to them and seeing the soldiers and generals patrol the area. They also will hear the screams of people being killed, which is kind of horrifying wow. to think about. And there are cold spots on the bridge when it's a nice hot night, like in July, there'll be just these inexplicable cold spots. But as we mentioned before, not just the disembodied heads, cause that's kind of cool, But this strange, dark, unexplainable mist just covers the bridge Hmm. at Mm -hmm. night. Yep, just and I've heard it's a hot spot for EVP. Mm -hmm. That they'll do a lot of ghost tours there, and there's a lot of EVP. And sometimes they end the ghost tour early because it's too active. That was the story. I think you actually had started telling it before. Go for it. Well, you can go ahead. I I don't know if I remember it all that well, to be honest. Well, no, no, there was Amanda who, it was Amanda, that's right, during our interview. Um, They were at the bridge and they started talking. The guy's like, go away. And the guy in charge is like, you know, we're going to leave because he's never been this mean before. So let's go. (laughs) Let's go. Let's leave. Time to go. Although, I mean, you know, historically, I I didn't realize that was part of Lee's retreat Mm -hmm. route. Um, But his... Like the the just the sheer number of wounded on the Confederate side, it was a seventeen mile long wagon train yeah. of wounded wow. soldiers, and then of course they stopped to remember for the war chicken. Of course, they had to oh go find Nellyhen, <laughs> and this is part of why Lincoln was so furious with Meade for not going after them because they were like they're broken. going on one they bridge so too. Bro- yes, like they they could have been crushed, yep. but Meade did just did not do it. Actually, that was mentioned in my thing here, too. There was a really nasty comment about that, too. And there was Lincoln. Because a lot of my stuff came from the Civil War ghosts. But there's actually two pages that I didn't bring with me tonight because it was just, like, part of Lincoln's address and also the anger that he felt towards Meade for not – because there was a perfect moment with that bridge. You could have exploded the bridge. You know, you could have just stood there and, you know – 
And they're walking by three dudes hanging, you know? Yeah. Like, just kind of, like, just symbolically showing that they had been yeah. crushed. Because this was a, one of the, the, what, the biggest Union victory, and it was the turn of the war. Oh, so. yeah. Well, because ultimately it destroyed the army. Yep. Of yeah. The South's army. Like, there's... Yeah, they never recovered. No. No. There, there weren't enough men. It broke the morale, that, too. That was all, like, that was all the men the South had to give, really. Yeah. And, you know, and they kept dwindling battle after battle. Um, but yeah, I mean, sort of a fun fact. I do know that, um, Meade, his subordinates called him a, let me see if I got this right, a damned old goggle-eyed snapping turtle. (laughs) (laughs) And if you look at him, he does have kind of googly eyes. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, imagine you just lost this epic battle, right? You've seen so many people die on all the different fields, pick at charge, you name it, you've seen death. You've seen the valley of death. And then you're going across this bridge in a 17-mile long caravan, if you will. Yep. And there are people hanged at this bridge, yeah. you know. It's not just the loss, the battle. It's that, too. All of those things together break your morale. Oh, yeah. Well, so, and here, this is a, another statistic that I think is just... Um, so the 14th Tennessee Regiment had left town two years earlier with 960 men. When the Battle of Gettysburg began, only 365 remained. By the end of the first day, there were 60 men left. Jeez. By the end of the battle, remember, this started with 960. 900, yeah. By the end of the Battle of Gettysburg, there were only three alive. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that would have been like a whole town. Like, this it's was a, a town, town that signed up together. That's our town. Yeah. We. we <laughs> yeah. I Three up, men come back from battle. I looked up our census, and oh. I think we have 974 in our town. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, only three out of 960 from the 14th Tennessee Regiment. I mean, it's just... Yeah, that's crazy to me. I mean, no, granted, there were there was only three. Again, only that's three we had to reconstruct the Gettysburg. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So hence the carpetbaggers and yep. other things. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Anything else you want to add here? Gettysburg, Rain Man. This is your last opportunity. This is it. Oh, no, I've got stuff. I got No, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Give us stuff. Give us all the I stuff. Mean, I mean, I think we've covered, we have covovered so, so much here. And it's... um. Yeah, I, I've learned a lot, though, along the way, too, because there were so many places and, and things that I've not heard about. So I have really enjoyed this series, also because I got to nerd out on it. So much fun for, like, when we have the opportunity to go back to yes. Gettysburg. Yeah, we may have to reprise this. Yeah, I'm not yeah. an EVP person, <laughs> but I would like to EVP the bridge. Yeah, yeah. I really would. Because I feel like, as a result of the podcast, it makes for a more enlightened experience mm-hmm. for yeah. when yeah. we actually yeah. visit again. And mm-hmm. it's been way too long. Yeah, no, it's Last true. I mean, time, yeah, yeah, because I know that you and I, for example, have walked past the Jenny Wade house, but we've never like been in it, and we knew mm-hmm. that she had she was the only civilian yeah. casualty, but I didn't mm-hmm. know a lot any of the the details. So her mom, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, her mom's fabulous. And across the street is where you know children were chained in <laughs> yeah. the basement. Yeah, there's it's so crazy. much, so much history. I've so never even cool. thought about the Daniel Lady Farm, to be completely honest. Yeah. So. never, yeah. I never knew about it. Never heard about it. Well, and I think, too, if you're listening to this and, you know, you want to go to Gettysburg, you'll be more serious when you're there, too. Because that's part of, like, what bothers me about going to some of these historic places. Now, it's because almost all of my family has been in the in the armed services somewhere. You know, my, my dad died. My, my stepdad, of course, just passed away not too long ago, too. And they were lifers in the Army, Air Force, you name it, Navy. 
they're all my family. But like you are in these hallowed areas, you need to be respectful. Like you're not going to go run around, jump over tombstones. But that's basically what you're doing when you walk through parts of Gettysburg because you had people like put in barns, like yeah, like sardines, you know? Yeah, yeah. I made that that simile, that comparison, so many times in these five weeks of podcasting. And then you have you look at the wheat field; that entire field was red. Like you're walking on an area that was covered in blood and everything mm-hmm. else, you know, I think it just, you need to be respectful. Yeah. And so I think listening to this will help you understand that, you know, all of this is hallowed ground. Yeah. I will say um, for anyone who wants to visit Gettysburg, even if you live in Pennsylvania, book at least a night somewhere because there's so much to oh, yeah. see mm-hmm. that you won't be able to see it all oh, in yeah, one absolutely. day. Yeah. Like if you really want to get the full experience, you definitely bring your walking wanna, shoes. Yeah, you'd bring like your walking extended, shoes, yes. and you want to be there at least two days to see mm-hmm. most of it, and then and get like shop. There's like some really cool shops there and stuff. You get know. some cool oh, hats, yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, you can go on those ghost tours. But the scariest part of the entire experience, PJ, is. The watchtowers. <laughs> Be prepared. <laughs> Climb every single one of them. You really good view. <laughs> Just watch out coming down. <laughs> what are you doing over there? I was looking because I just realized He's I don't working. have access. I send it to you though, PJ, the Frederick Strom story because our great 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 grandfather or great grand uncle, yes, oh, was actually in the Battle of Gettysburg. He oh, was wow. at Little Round Top. So. Friedrich Strom um, is actually from southwestern Germany, and he immigrated to the U.S. somewhere between 1850 and 1855, and he volunteered um, uh, for the army. Um, We don't know, you know, whether it was patriotic idealism, adventure, for whatever reason, he traveled to Philadelphia and enlisted as a three-year volunteer, and um, let's see here, he was part of the the 21st Regiment uh, Pennsylvania Infantry. And so they were involved in a lot, but I'll just skip down here to the Gettysburg part, since that's what we're talking about. Um, And so on July 1st, 1863, the 6th Corps, including, oh, I'm sorry, the 98th Regiment of Pennsylvania Volunteer Infantry with Private Friedrich Strom, Fred, uh, among its numbers, was encamped at Manchester, Maryland, Ordered to march to Gettysburg, they covered the 38 miles in an overnight march. What? And arrived on the battlefield around 2 p.m. of the next day. They walked all night and most of the next day. And so they arrived on the second day of the battle. Between 4 p.m. and sundown, the 98th Pennsylvania Regiment was positioned near Little Round Top. From that position, they charged with fixed bayonets through the marsh of Plum mm. Run, receiving fire from the infamous yep. Devil's Den. Yep. They Valley of Death is in mm-hmm. Plum Run. They skirted the famous Wheatfield Battle Area, took some prisoners, and were then ordered to withdraw. Losses during the battle were light, one killed and ten wounded. Oh. The 98th took no further part in the engagement at Gettysburg, but held its position for the remainder of the battle. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's very interesting. Um, and that was, this is research that was done from a, a relative of ours back in 1981. Mm. So, um, you know, I mean, th- this is all information that he said he took from the dossier of Frederick Strom provided by the U.S. National Archives. Cool. So, yeah. So wow. there's a little fun uh 
history, family history from from us. All right. You ready to close it out, Laura? All right. So this is a poem by Daisy Turner, who was a storyteller and poet. Her father was Alexander Turner, and he was a an escaped slave who became a soldier for the Union. In fact, he returned to his um, former home in the South and killed his former overseer. Oof. And yeah, his daughter, Jeez. yeah, I know. And his daughter, Daisy, uh, went on to be become a poet. And um, I have to imagine that some at least some of her works were inspired by her father, such as this one. Dear Madam... I am a soldier, and my speech is rough and plain. I'm not much used to writing, and I hate to give you pain. But I promised I would do it, and he thought it might be so. If it came from one that loved him, perhaps it would ease the blow. By this time you must surely guess the truth I fain would hide, and you'll pardon me for rough soldier words while I tell you how he died. It was in the maw of battle, fast rained the shot and shell, I was standing close beside him, and I saw him when he fell. So I took him in my arms and laid him on the grass. It was going against orders, but I think they let it pass. T'was a mini-ball that struck him. It entered at his side. But we didn't think it fatal till this morning when he died. Last night I wanted so to live. I seemed so young to go. Last week I passed my birthday. I was just nineteen, you know. When I thought of all I planned to do, it seemed so hard to die. But now I pray to God for grace, and all my cares gone by. And here his voice grew weaker, as he paused and raised his head, and he whispered, Goodbye, mother, and your soldier boy was dead. I carved him out a headboard as skillful as I could, and if you wish to find it, I can tell you where it stood. I send you back his hymn book and the cap he used to wear the lock I cut the night before of his bright curly hair. I send you back his Bible. The night before he died, I turned its leaves together and read it by his side. I kept the belt he was wearing. He told me so to do. It has a hole upon the side, just where the ball went through. So now I've done his bidding. I've nothing more to tell. But I shall always mourn with you, the boy we loved so well. <laughs> 